0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Mirko Movie Guys. I'm Clint Schaffer and this is my buddy Chad Weeks.
1: We're a couple guys who like movies and like to talk about movies. Clint, today we're going all the way across the pond to talk to somebody uh, that we met at the Dubuque Film Festival, is that correct? We are talking to award-winning director Mr. Paul Holbrook. He is the director of uh, Hungry Joe and Hollow, plus some other stuff that uh, sounds like it's pretty exciting coming out
0: yeah so chad and i were up at the uh, julian dubuque international film festival uh what uh, last weekend yep and uh ended up watching paul's movie uh in one of the uh movie blocks that we went to and i can't express enough uh this guy puts out amazing material uh casting is awesome lighting is awesome everything is great
1: perfect well let's get paul on
0: all right with that grab your popcorn fill up your drinks and enjoy the show Well, Paul, welcome to the show. Uh, Happy to have you. How about uh, you introduce yourself to our listeners here? Uh, Pleasure to be here, guys.
2: Uh, I'm Paul Holbrook. I'm a writer and director from the UK.
1: Perfect. And you're coming to us from a film festival right now, sitting outside a pub in London.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm in Islington in London at the uh, Unrestricted View Film Festival. Uh, we're up for a few awards, so we've come down here. But um, yeah, I couldn't find a quiet corner, so <laughs> apologies to your listeners if it's a bit noisy in the background.
1: That, that's all right. I I, I dig it. Well, the one concern that we have is the is the closed captioning going to come up here for for our listeners in the in the United States? So,
2: <laughs> well, you know, you got two things to contend with. You have got my accent, and you got the fact I'm in a boozer. So,
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: good luck with Absolutely. that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, one one of the first things I'd like to talk about and at, get your your opinion on this, I want to talk about the two movies, *Hungry Joe* and *Hollow*, because uh, Clint and I both watched those, love them, by the way. But um, I want to I want to I want to get your opinion. Do you want to give away spoilers on this? Because like *Hollow* is one that I kind of want to, but I don't want to. I don't. I want to go with your opinion on this. Should we give away spoilers in this interview here? Uh no <laughs> okay all right, all right. fair I enough
2: mean, i mean i mean hungry hung- uh, yeah no both of them have kind of got a little thing that yeah, yeah. add a little bit of weight to the film maybe yes I mean, no
1: no Your no, no.
2: Your cool. it's your show guys
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no that's all right i just want to see how you feel about it and like we we can do that totally it'll work, work great so um the, we talked about sound here a little bit um I, that was one of the things that i'd like to talk about on hungry joe because the sound is absolutely haunting. My wife and I were watching that together, and the first thing that she said is, she's, is, uh, nope, don't like that. <laughs> like just listening to people eat and stuff like that. that. Do you have anything specific that you do that 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 gets those excellent sounds, those crisp, clear sounds that are so haunting right off the bat? I mean, on Hungry Joe, to be honest,
2: that, that has to go down to our, our sound design team. Um, over it was a guy called Owen Shirley that really pushed to elevate those sounds to the level they're at now. Um, to be honest, I was a little bit um, I wasn't sure whether we'd pushed it a bit too far, but obviously the, the, the film itself is supposed to be repulsive, and it's supposed to make you feel uneasy. Um, so the sound designers had fun with it and, and really just pushed those sounds to really uncomfortable levels and, and he was proved right because in all the festivals it's played at and the reviews it gets, it's the sound that seems to affect people more than anything and that's the thing they come away from mostly is, you know, how repulsive it sounded.
0: What was the inspiration behind uh, Hungry Joe? I mean, like, as far as, you know, because I almost got like this, like, gluttony feel, like, behind it, you know, but uh, what, what was what was the, the direction that you were taking that in, or where, where did the, the thought come from? Well, initially,
2: um, we were, so me and my directing partner on this one, a guy called Sam Doe, we were on our way back to the film festival, and we were talking about what film we were going to make next and what we were, the stuff we really like. And, and we wanted to make a film that, because um, we, we self funded Hungry Joe, so we were spending our own money on it. So we wanted to make something that we genuine, genuinely loved ourselves as, you know, that's fun, with something. And we started to talk about how much we used to really like, uh, you know, like the Twilight Zone or Tell Us from the Crypt or these little funky stories or, or the one off episodes of the X Files, the Monster of the Week style episodes, you know, where they were standalone, they were creepy. Um, but they still had this element of being grounded and therefore, you know, they stuck with you a little bit. Um, and then we just started talking about freaks in general. <laughs> and we found this story in Napoleonic France about a guy called Terrar or Terari. I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce it. Hey. Oh, thank you. It's all right. Did I take your seat? Right. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was a guy called Terrari, and, and it's a long story, but you can, your listeners can look, look it up. But it was essentially a guy in Napoleonic France that had this condition. You your drink? Sorry. Uh, no, I'm good. I, I got one somewhere. I uh, left it in there, and I've already got one. Thank you, mate. Yeah, they're very busy. Yeah, no, you're
1: good. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> no worries at all. I love it. <laughs> this is not
2: live, right? You can edit it. Yeah,
1: all the time. I dig it. This is awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: um, yeah. So. This guy, Tarara. So it was a guy in Napoleonic France that had this insatiable appetite, an incurable appetite. He wasn't overweight, but he could eat and eat and eat, never be full, he'd never gained weight. And the only thing people talk about, I'll let this mic go past. The only thing that people talk about is that this guy had this horrible smell to him. He stunk. And people could have been in the same room as him. And this guy eventually joined the freak show, and people would throw their shoes on stage. He'd eat their shoes. They'd throw horse manure on stage. He'd eat that. He'd eat everything. And he lived with this ailment for, for years and years. Eventually, joined the army, and would and would kind of like he would eat evidence or something. He did something in the army anyway. And eventually, found this uh, French surgeon to take on his case because he was so uncomfortable and he, he couldn't satisfy his hunger. And the surgeon couldn't find anything medically wrong with him. Absolutely nothing wrong with him whatsoever. There are medical journals you can look up and read about all this stuff. Um, so anyway, this, this surgeon guy took on his case and he moved into this hospital. And then overnight, this guy started then getting up in the night and eating the dead bodies and drinking the blood from the morgue oh. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, as creepy oh. as you like. And then he, and then one day he just vanished off the face of the earth. And then this little French bionic tank, like, first dogs started going missing and cats and then eventually children started going missing. And, you know, then it became a bit of like a a boogeyman story, you know, folklore. Um, and that was, uh, we started there and we were like, you know, that's a crazy, creepy story. Um, and we wanted to write something kind of based on that and contemporize it. But as we started working on it, we found it just lacked kind of emotional depth. Um, and then we soon just realized that actually the, the more, heartbreaking story while still retaining that kind of gross out crazy twilight zone feel was you know the story of the mother and how you could possibly love somebody like that if you you know if you give birth to a monster um where does the maternal instinct kind of dissipate um and then yeah from there we we developed it to what it is now that's a long answer but there you go
1: no, that's that's uh, no. somewhere in the back of my mind. I've I've heard the story. I uh, especially the part where he's in the army and stuff like that, because they were they were having to pay like a ton of money just to keep him fed while he was in the army and stuff like that. So I've I've heard this somewhere. That's that's awesome. I I, yeah. I love that you that you modeled it after that, and you picked the perfect person to play the mother, uh, Laura uh, Bas- Baston is right. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I I I like her a lot. Like her, she's got a Me very you? haunting demeanor to her. She's very she sells these roles for you. Like this this one being a horror that's she sold that perfectly. Well on I I would say on both Hungry Joe
0: and Hollow, uh her performances there are just they're so believable right off the bat, right? I mean like when when she's uh, especially in Hungry Joe when she's portraying the mother, I mean you feel like she is the mother of that child, right? And you feel that you start feeling that, you know, you talked about that maternal instinct. You kind of start feeling that Going away, scene by scene, and just kind of deteriorating over time. Uh, and the way she portrayed that, I thought was was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, uh, that was fantastic.
2: Yeah. Go ahead. She, she, I, mean, I mean, I've worked with Laura based on a lot, and the reason I stick with her is because she just, like you say, she gives you performances that that kind of carry the emotional essence of, of the films that I make. Um, she's she's staunch in her belief that. When she works on a job, she has to find the, the emotional truth and the psychological truth of, you know, her character or, or what, where the story takes that character. She's so committed um, and she's so easy to work with and we just click. We, we we've worked, I think we've worked together five or six times now. And it's at that point now where when I start writing, it doesn't take long if it's a female character where it just ends <laughs> up, and I'm starting to write for her strengths, you know? Because I know what she can do, and I know I can take her to kind of emotional depths where uh, sometimes you might think, you know, that's going to be difficult to get an actor to go there. That's going to be really difficult to try and retain that sense of um, emotional turmoil. But she just, I mean, she's a really happy person in real life. She's lovely and bubbly, but she's just got this knack for really connecting with human instincts on a really deep level. Um, And that's what I love about her. Yeah,
0: she's great okay i i gotta Zoomed ask a then, break just, through, I hope.
2: So you guys need to shout about her over there because she she needs a break
0: <laughs> well I, I i have to ask then you know you talked about just you know she's a she's a happy person you know outside uh outside uh outside of movies and whatnot uh how is she on on scene like if you shoot one of these like crazy emotional scenes uh can she d- does she snap right into into it or is it a is it a process
2: it's definitely a process. I mean, she she will take a good two, three, four weeks to get herself where she needs to get. Um, and on set, she's quiet. She's very quiet on. Set. I mean, at, when you're not working, she's life and soul. But on, on set, she's 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 quiet. She she kind of internalizes a lot of what's going on and uses that to give us what we get on screen. She asks a lot of questions. Um, because she wants to know exactly, you know, the minutia of every emotional beat that, that, that is in this in the script and why it's there, backstory and everything else. She's just insanely. Um, she has great instincts for sure. So a lot of it is, you know, I can't take much credit for it. it, it a lot of it is on, is in her instincts and her and in a way, her insecure is too because she's quite an insecure actress in a way. She wants to do such a good job, even, you know, she doesn't she doesn't shout about herself anywhere near as much as I shout about her, yeah. you know, about how great she is. So I think those insecurities help because it, it means that she does want to really connect on a personal level before she believes she could give a performance that warrants, you know, um, the levels we're looking for. Um, but I mean, the process for her, I mean, she does take her own time. Like for Hollow, she lost a lot of weight and that was the thing. She kind of attached the emotional, she attached grief in Hollow to weight loss. So she wanted to make sure that she felt like she was missing something. Obviously, she, she she can't necessarily relate to someone who's lost a child um, of a drink drive accident or what have you, but it, it sounds maybe overly simplified, but if she's missing something as simple as food, maybe the feeling, she can use that feeling to, you know, attach to something else.
1: Yeah. When, when we watched that in Dubuque, that was one of the first things I thought of was, I? you see her and it's like, Hollow is a perfect way to uh, to uh, yeah. just d- describe her in that movie. Like that's perfect because you can just she looks hollow, like yeah. I, and just her haunting demeanor. Like I, that's all it's very hollow. So I, it's perfectly titled. She was perfectly cast for that.
2: Yeah, exactly. And we, and we went there. Like that, we talked about that a lot. Like even things like a simple thing like you know this isn't in the film, but when we're talking about developing a character, like even a simple thing, uh, laughing at a joke. You can't do that anymore because. You're so hollow, you don't know what a joke is anymore. You can't yeah. feel what a, a joke is. You can't feel what good food tastes like. You can't feel anything. And if you can't feel anything, all you've got left is that driving force of grief and anger and revenge and hatred and everything else. And if that's all you've got, how do you find your way out the other side? Um, yeah, but it's all, it's all about connection. It's all about connection between me and her, her and the story, the story and everything else. And she's just one of those actresses that, that goes deep.
0: Well... Hats off to both of you on that, uh, uh, keep casting her. Yeah. So, uh, we, we want to keep, uh, I we want to keep seeing, uh, seeing you and her work together. So with, with hungry Joe too, I wanted to throw out there, uh, actually both hungry, Girl, hungry Joe and hollow Chad and I were talking about the cinematic feel of your movies. Uh, the, the, the out of a lot of the movies that Chad and I watch Yours has, uh, an incredibly professional look to it. Uh, it is, the lighting is amazing. The sound is amazing that goes into it. All of your shots feel just spot on. Um,
1: how do you get to that level? Paul, hey, before, Paul, when you, when you showed that, that scene with the fire and Hungry Joe, like, I I got a brand new TV uh, this last year, and I I love that scene. Just seeing that big fire burning on my TV, it looks so crisp and so awesome that I ha- I had to go grab my wife. Like, look at how good this looks. And there's a, there's a ton of stuff like that. There's there's where she's looking at like in Hollow when she's looking at the, the the antagonist there, and you can see the camera tilt and and walking up the stairs. You, you get the undershot from the like. There are so many cool shots there that I just totally fangirled out over the the cinematography on there.
2: Oh, thanks very much, man. I mean, I mean, yeah, a lot. A lot of kudos has to go to my, my DOP, which is guy, which, which I think you guys met, uh, Jada uh, James Oldham. Similarly to, to Laura, we've kind of settled now. Like I've made a lot of short films, um, but with James, I've kind of found somebody that I can work with on a really personal level. He's another person that really connects to the material on a on a deep level and a creative level. He's very down to earth and open. And he likes to have fun and he wants, he wants things to look great. Um, my, you know, my job essentially is, is to tell a good story uh, and to make sure we get good performances. And yeah, I want my stuff to look great, but I kind of need to hand that over to somebody that knows okay. how to make something look great. You know, I've got ideas as to well why a shot's there and what it's doing and you know um, how it's driving the story. But James will come in and go, well, yeah, that's great. I know why it's doing that, but, but let, me, let me show you some up. And then, you know, it will do things like, you know, it's beautiful. He's a wonderful cinematographer. And everybody, And same with sound, with our sound team. It's been the same for like three or four films now. So I think it's just finding your people. And when I try and raise standards on screen, 9.9 times out of 10, those standards are raised by me bringing on people that can do jobs better than I can. You know? So... If, if the sound's great it's because i've gone and found the great sound guy if, if the cinematographer is great if i find the great DP and, and actresses and, and everything else you know yeah um rather than just settle if i want the standards to be higher i need to do work with people that are a lot better than i am at, at what i perfect. want to be on screen you know
1: perfect so i'm I'm also a sucker for the the uh, a good transition uh scene and you had a lot of those there's some in, in hungry like in well in hollow where she's like looking back, you know, kind of memories, and then cut into that. But one of my favorites was where uh, was in Hungry Joe, where she's examining it herself, and then cuts the egg yolk. I is that is that your designer who 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 comes up with these ideas? Because I couldn't even imagine making that cut to like yeah. cooking breakfast from that moment. And just I, I don't know, that's so cool. I mean, yeah, that, that I mean that that was us.
2: I mean, it was always a case of us wanting to attribute uh, food with emotion. In Hungry Joe, and how we could make food feel a little bit intrusive on her life. Yeah. So to cut from you know the effects the child is having on her body to something like a greasy fried egg,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's
2: kind of you know you, you get a sense of what she's feeling about what the child's doing to her body, and, and it's food that's to bling. I mean, it's it's it's, it's you know it's, you, you could almost look at that and say it was a it would be a corny cut if it wasn't so related to the story Like, if, if i just did that and it had no relation to the story just because it was funky you know it would be contrived right so so yeah I, th- I think it's just looking at your shot list and asking yourself how you can bring the story into everything you do whether that be transitions whether that be your cinematography sound and everything else it's not just what's on the page or what your actors are doing it's, it's everything right it's all fueling that yep. that story and that emotional you know beat that we want the audience to connect with
0: so you talked about Hungry Joe, you were self-funded on that. Um, and uh, I, I, if, I, uh, if I remember right, on Hollow, you actually won a, a contest, right, for, uh, for putting, yeah. putting your script out there and actually getting, uh, getting some funding behind that. Could you kind of tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so, it's, so Hungry Joe, we funded ourselves for 25,000 English pounds. Uh, which was essentially bank loans and credit cards and everything else. Just because, you know, we, we were confident about the project. And the, we took the project to our kind of local uh, funders in, in the UK and they turned it down because they said it was too ambitious for the budgets they could offer. And to be fair to them, they were right. Um, but we took, yeah, we took out bank loans and credit cards and just, and just got it done on a lot of favours and goodwill and people not being paid as much as they should be getting paid. Um, and it opened doors for us, so it paid off. And then I think when we when I applied for the pitch, which is what we won the funding for hollow, there was already now I could point to something to say, you know, I know how to spend an athlete's budget on a short and, and do the job, you know, so that helped. Um, but yeah, hollow was um, the funding for hollow came from a competition in the UK called the pitch where they offer 35,000 English pounds as a budget. For um, a script that is adapted from a story or a passage in the Bible. So with Hollow, I just I, I said I, I'm a bit I've got I'm a big fan of revenge films. I think they're the most they're they're the most emotionally relatable films for me because we've all got anger inside us and we all see injustices in the world and you know they sicken us but we don't all have the capacity for violence. So I think that's sometimes why for me especially why I love hero hero and villain stories. You know. You're rooting for the, the hero because he can do things you or she can do things that you probably can. Um, and the villain is a representative of uh, all the shit that's going on in the world. So I've always had a good attachment to revenge. It's always been my kind of go-to sub-genre. Um, so I essentially just looked into the Bible as to what, what the Bible says about revenge and God's part in that and our part in that. And from there, developed hollow to what it is now. And the producer of the pitch is uh, a priest as well Oh wow. so i was able to kind of knock on his door and kind of challenge him as well about what's written in the bible and all that kind of fueled what, what you ended up seeing uh, on the screen to follow yeah
0: one of my favorite lines in there was from, uh what was it vengeance isn't always violent i think was uh was his statement there and that was just one of those that i thought in that moment when he's telling somebody who's only thinking violent thoughts right and I just yeah. thought that that entire little aspect of that conversation when they're sitting there in the church was was incredibly powerful yeah I uh, thought that was awesome thanks guys so it's
2: my favorite part of the film as well I mean with that, with that scene both those scenes in the church we had pages and pages and pages of dialogue challenging uh pulling apart looking for nuances in fueling subtext and all the stuff that goes on on the page in the bible in regards to vengeance and violence and and, and everything else and redemption and and all this kind of stuff and then we just so we fueled that scene with all that dialogue but then we just cut it all away you know a few days before the shoot just to make sure that the subtext remained. um and it did when i when i watched that scene now i mean I, i wrote it so it's easier for me maybe but i can just feel that there's so much subtext bubbling away under everything they say you know when they say violence isn't purely uh vengeance isn't purely a violent concept It just makes you go, okay, so what else could it be? What is it? And then you start questioning yourself and thinking. And then as an audience member, you're going, okay, well, you know, if if someone does me wrong, my instant thought is to go and whack him around the head with a bat or what have you, but there are other ways of doing things because, you know, it's not going to feel good for you in the end and it's not going to work out, uh, you know, it's going to work out equally as bad for you as it is for the guy that's getting the bat around here.
1: Yeah. You know. So the the, the priest in this story, um, you can tell that he has a – uh, haunted backstory that isn't ever like really expressed in there but like you can see from the scars of his knuckles that there is a story there um and have you have you seen the movie the patriot
2: have
1: i seen sorry the, the movie the patriot uh it's a mel gibson film it's about america winning its independence oh, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. from from you guys <laughs> and stuff you know <laughs> but 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 um the, uh, there's a line in there where it says, uh, a shepherd must tend his flock and at times fight off the wolves. And I found that, like, I felt like that was a good, like, I, I felt that feeling when you talk to, or you hear the priest and he's actually like, I've got to do something about this. I see this. Like, is that kind of what you were going for there? Like, what? You, could you allude to the, the backstory of this guy a little bit more? Just like give us some behind-the-scenes things of what you had. in, in Yeah, I, think. I, I mean, for
2: me, he's a guy that's lived a violent life. He's a black guy that grew, that grew up in uh, racist Britain in the 80s. Um, and as a result of that, has probably hit out at a lot of people and been violent himself. Maybe spent some time in and out of prison as a result. Finds God, finds his calling, um, and uses that anger and hatred he's got to kind of help people because he's been through it. But when he asks God the question of why are you letting this person suffer? And, you know, in the Bible it's saying, you know, violent, you know vengeance or, or revenge comes in many forms or what have you. The guy could be suffering. He doesn't need to physically suffer, does he, to be suffering? Whereas I think for me, it was, it was a juxtaposition between these two characters. One has the capacity for violence because he's been violent before. So we know, he, he knows, we know, she probably knows he has the capacity for violence. She doesn't she wants it he doesn't and when you mix all that up as well as kind of the responsibility he's got of representing god if you like so when that's challenged that you know because in the bible it says uh violence and revenge isn't your job it's mine essentially trust god and god will sort it out in his own good time kind of thing you know i don't know the exact that's not exactly the quote in the bible but you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. um yeah like, like you know Uh, It's something like revenge, uh, thou shall not seek revenge because revenge belongs to the Lord or something like this. So, you know, the vicar interprets that as bide your time. You know, God's doing his thing. Have a bit of faith, have a bit of trust. Her challenge to that is, well, aren't you a representative of God? So if, if you're saying that God will take revenge and you serve God, why can't you do something about it then? And then, you know, knowing that he's got the capacity of violence himself, knowing that he's got his own pent up anger and rage. That kind of is 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 the wrong thing to say to a guy that's on the verge, anyway. And that's almost, you know, that's what makes him to start challenge God as well. If I am your vessel, use me. Yeah. You know, um, if I'm not your vessel, then you do it. You hurry up and do something about it because this woman's suffering and this guy's going scot free. Yeah,
0: Her- you, you can almost see that 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 point when he had also had enough, yeah. right? Where it's like. I've I, I have you know, casting my prayers, I have I have spoke to God, but now at this point in time, I'm going to step in, right? And and if, it. if it's God's will to stop me, then he will he, he shall give me a sign and stop me, right? And I just sure. loved how that that got turned because you just seen you seem where his his breaking point as well, and I just thought that was that was a powerful moment. as well.
2: and and essentially God does give him a sign because when he gets to that house, he bashes the door down he sees that the guy's suffering and then it all becomes clear and you go, okay well God is taking his revenge, it's not the violent revenge that we see as the only option for revenge, but the guy's suffering, he's living in squalor, he's he's remorseful and you go okay, well he is suffering, God is doing his bit so who am I to step in and, and get in the way and that's why he says, you know, he sees for the first time. so in a way mean spoiler alert again i suppose but in regards to how the vicar ends that film or the priest ends that film you guys don't know what vicar is how the priest ends that film he's the only one that ends it in a good way his faith is intact yeah yeah it's that's exactly the other other two people
1: you know yeah that's exactly right it all came full circle and it's like i man that is a cool that is a cool finish to that movie And, and again i don't want to spoil it but that just coming full circle, and it's like wow. When you're when you're done with it, you just sit there and you're like, wow. Look at all the things that changed in this film here. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everybody was their roles had all changed, and it just very very powerful ending yeah. to that. The closing yeah. of that
0: is yeah that that yeah. was that was just one of those where I think that we were just sitting there looking at the screen like wow. Like we got we got a process like this you whole transition afterwards. Yeah. yeah, and uh that was amazing. Uh, you, you did bring up. Uh, you know the the guy living in in squalor, right? Which I, I there's two things I want to talk about. First off, that yeah. the, the guy that played that character is not a traditional actor, right? If I remember talking at right. the film festival.
2: Yeah, so so he's an actor called Chris Hitchin. He's doing big things now. He was in Ken Lucha's last film. He's now doing loads of TV work in the UK. So he's a bit he, he's getting big over here. But three years ago, he was he was a pipe bear. Um and he was street cast by ken Loach. um did a great job and from there he's found this, he's got a calling for it but he's another so actor that's just you know you're talking about the process that laura has to go through to get where she needs to get to chris is the opposite chris is tell me what to do i'll flick a switch and i'll do it you know because because he's just a natural he just it, it's a different process for him because what you get from chris is, is is grounded reality that's what he does very well um, he's from a working class background, he's from a pretty rough area. He can flick a switch and, and, and be people that he knows and relates to. Yeah. I, I wondered
1: it's if that totally was the case because yeah. because that confrontational scene with him and the vicar, like they he they got like that was very, very real. Like it felt confrontational. It felt like that was that came natural to him like, to be aggressive like that. Like we, we were asking each
0: other, uh, when he gets in in the priest's face and gives him that little headbutt, right? Like that like challenge me kind of kind of moment. Yeah, it's like I, we, we were questioned, was that scripted or was that him just saying this is what I would do in that moment?
2: Yeah, I mean, the direction on the day was, you know, there, there's a racist insult there. Get rid of him. Get that vicar off your doorstep as, as quickly as you can without swearing. He wasn't allowed to swear. Um, <laughs> the producers wouldn't allow us swearing. So that's why he says piss off. You know, I think ideally he would have probably said the F word there. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, we weren't allowed to swear words, so we had to kind of show that aggression without swear words. So yeah, that's when the physicality came into it. Ah,
0: that, yeah, that 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 was great. The the other point on on living in squalor that that you that you talked about uh, in uh, up in Dubuque there, which was it was difficult shooting this during the time you know just with all the pandemic and everything that was happening. And it sounds like that mess that he was living in got taken away from you a couple times so could you walk us through yeah. just a little bit of the frustrations yeah. on shooting that yeah horror story that was so, so basically <laughs> because we were shooting through
2: covid the, the 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 various creative teams had to take interns to go into the house so and in between those teams there was a covid cleanup team so the production design would go in they would come out a covid cleanup team would come in and spray everything and come out and then the lighting team would go in and light come out, COVID team would go in, spray everything, come out, and then me and the DOP would go in, and the actors and everything else. Where our, our production design team went in first, dressed this house amazingly, litter everywhere, rubbish everywhere, you know, the walls, just terrible. Beer cans, you know, the lot, drug paraphernalia. This guy was living in a hovel of a place. COVID team go in, go out. Lighting team go in, go out. We're none the wiser. I go in with my DOP. And we're looking at a complete shell. There's nothing there because the COVID cleanup team have thought all the rubbish was genuine rubbish rather than set design. and just been put everything in the bin. Um, so yeah, like in, in the, in the script, the vicar, the priest, sorry, is supposed to look around and be like, Whoa, look how this guy's living, you know? And the camera was supposed to pan around and see all this terrible squalor that he was living in. And we never had that. So, cause it was gone. So all we had in, in exchange was our actors. Um, so a lot of that scene with the two actors with the priest and, and the guy that had his nose busted a lot of that was improv because it was a it was a case of of me saying to those two actors this is what we were going to do we we're going to do a lot of this visually we don't have that anymore so it's able to you guys to convince the audience that <laughs> you know why you've changed your mind and why you're full of remorse um so so like the guy the guy's walls were supposed to have like i'm sorry written all over and there's supposed to be newspapers everywhere but I'm sorry written on it and all this kind of stuff so yeah in a, in a way it kind of worked because all I had without the production design were, were two great actors Point a camera at them you know motivate them to ask them what's going on and, and they did the job and I think I feel like it's pretty believable I, I buy it.
0: The thumb movement of the priest when he when he puts his hand on a, on his hand there and he just does that yeah. little bit of movement it was one of those where that small gesture in my eyes is what made that real right like exactly. I genuinely felt like I was Absolutely. looking at a broken man and someone who was truly there to help him yep. and, 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 it's that, like, and that I'm was, with that, was you.
2: T- that was totally improvised that's not in the script that touch um and not only not only the fun movement so it's the touch which was improvised also the reaction to the touch. The fact that he looks at that hand so alien, like nobody has ever touched him tenderly before, yeah. no one has ever touched him with love before, and the look in his face when when he you know he registers what that feels like—that's both those two actors. None of that is in the script. That's all improv. Oh,
1: yeah, I've just somebody you've been so rude to and stuff like that, and you still love there. That's really that's yeah. great. So uh, another another theme that I've noticed between uh, Hungry Joe and Hollow. There's a lot of spiders and I see that there's a there's a uh, I know that there's a transition with in, in in Hollow, you know, with the character. But is there anything else behind behind the spiders? Because I, there's a movie called Enemy that like really focuses on that, too. And I didn't know if there's is there any type of mem- I, I'm just curious because it just does seem like it's very, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm petrified of spiders. So okay. they are the
2: embodiment of horror, you know, for me. Um, the hot, the spider in Hungry Joe was just purely a bonus. When we shot in that bathroom, there was a spider in the corner, and we needed a transition for the bathtub to change colour. So we needed something in between, and we were like, "Ah, oh, there's a spider in the corner. Shoot that!" And that was not in the scratch, which was unintentional. With Hollow, it was it was a case of wanting to show the audience that her moral compass is so strong she can't even bring herself to kill an insect. Even one as scary and horrible as a spider, in my, in my head, you know. And if she can't kill a spider, how on earth can she kill a human being? Um, and then obviously that, that transitions to when something happens with a spider yeah, that gives us the sense that there's there's been a, 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 an internal turning point there, you know, where she, she's overcome something, which is her own moral compass. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose I would always resort to spiders just because I find them terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Kind but, of like a for no other reason. I'm <laughs> scared of Batman, so <laughs> i <was> scared <laughs> of bats.
0: Well, I tell you what, uh, just on Hollow alone, I mean, congratulations on on the the success that you've seen on this, too, because y'all have been winning some awards in, in all of your film festivals, too, haven't you? Say
2: that again, sorry, Hollow. So you've been Joe.
0: winning some awards uh, through your film festivals with Hollow, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, we've won a few, yeah, not as many as Hungry Joe. Hungry Joe went crazy, and that like, played across the world when millions of awards got us crazy meetings we had a meeting with bob weinstein about the feature version of it you know it's going crazy um with hollow it's a long short so it's been a bit of a harder sell to film festivals to be honest but when it has played at a film festival it's done really well audience have responded to it really well and it's won some awards um so so yeah i'm happy but the issue with hollow has been has been the running time festivals don't like 30 minute short films um but yeah, when, when 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 they've taken a punt on it, it's done well and won awards. Yeah, and that's where I am now. I'm in mean, I'm in this film festival, and we're uh. We're
0: up for four awards tonight. Wow. Well, yeah,
2: we're up up for best sound, best director, best film and best actress. So all the things you guys mentioned. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Totally
1: get it. (laughs) You deserve them. Those were awesome. And it it really did steal the show. And that, that short block that we watched, it's like, it's like, wow, that's, that was, it really was. It was, yeah, I can't wait until, you know, like my parents and I, you know, I, I grew up on horror movies and stuff like that. I can't wait until my parents can watch this movie and stuff like that. It's, fantastic and i i actually love this new genre somebody in the at at that jambique film festival mentioned that that this new short form of uh uh, horror films or whatever that's really exciting because you don't have to be invested for two hours in a movie or whatever you can get i really like this it's almost like you said like a uh you know like a twilight zone type of story but just a little bit long it's i like it a lot
2: yeah i just like genre with emotional depth that's my thing if i if i can squeeze kind of some emotional depth and relatability to the audience but with but retain the fun of genre that for me that's magic that, that's what i love
1: for sure
0: so uh, w- uh another thing i was going to ask as far as for what's next cuz i think i seen you had a movie that you're working on maybe with Laura again uh, for 2023
2: so yeah if you guys are going to be at, uh, at the boot next year i'm sure i'll see you there we we've, we've got two films that we're going to be submitting to the boot. Not thrillers, not horrors, not dramas. These are what one's are very, what are both very light-hearted. One's a light-hearted kind of, I suppose, it's a comedy called Shiny, where we street cast two local kids, um, and we've got another one called Old Windows, which was actually written by Laura as well. Oh wow! Um, which, yeah, which is just a, a two-hander, two great actors, a British actor called Larry Lamb, who's who's pretty big over here. He was in a, a, a comedy called Gavin and Stacey that went, you know, stratospheric over here. Um, so, yeah, Old Windows is just two very good actors in a room talking, but it's a very engaging film. Like you lean into it. So I'm hoping that, that both those two play it to boot next year, so uh, we can come and see you. Um, and um, I've got three features that are kind of at various stages of development, funding, and all that kind of thing. One, Hungry Joe, the feature version, is optioned by a company over here, and they're out fundraising now. I've got a feature film called oh, Wolf, awesome. which, yeah, which, is, uh, which is an Irish film. And I've got another one called Snog, which is a coming of age, uh, very British coming of age, lighthearted story about uh, an ex who was witness trying to get his first kiss with a girl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, Paul, one of the things that I always like to ask is, do you have if you had to recommend one movie, you know, uh, maybe it's one of your movies or maybe it's, it's it's something that inspired you or something just just a random movie that you say a film lover should watch yeah. this movie. Because, uh, like I said, we we brand ourselves. We're a couple guys who like movies and like to talk about movies. Is there? What yeah. would you recommend to us to watch? Like just off the cuff. I mean, I'm of...
2: sure I'm sure you've seen it, but without a doubt, for me, the the only perfect film that's ever been made is Taxi Driver.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Taxi Driver. <laughs> great, yeah, yeah, great, movie. great, great, great yeah. call. I,
2: absolutely, I I am so in awe of that movie. I, I watch it four or five, six times a year, and just try and learn from it it's, it's the way it makes you feel it's just unbelievable yeah. yeah i love
0: that movie.
1: four or five yeah. I, I love that that's that's oh. perfect that's exactly what i want to hear <laughs>
0: <laughs> well paul we look forward to uh to to, to 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 watch the uh the material that you're pushing out i will tell you that you you got two fans over here in the states that uh can't wait for your next project so oh you guys thank you very much you're legends
1: uh, real quick, how, how do we uh, watch Hungry Joe is on your website right now? Can you rattle that off real quick so that the viewers can check it out?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, my website is www.PaulHolbrook.co.uk. Very simple. Um, but most of my stuff is, is, you know, you can probably Google most of my stuff and it comes up, Alter okay. and Short of the Week and, and all that kind of stuff. Perfect.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, hey, uh, good luck uh, at the Film Festival. Hope you win all four of those awards, and uh, we'll look. Uh, hopefully have you on uh, on the show again if you're willing to come back on and uh, have another chat with us in the future. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Ap- apologies again for the bad sound. Bro. Next next time, I'll find a quiet corner, I promise.
1: Hey. I love it. I think That's it adds right, something to it. This is perfect. <laughs> all right. You're Thanks, Paul. First. Have a good Thank one. Thank
0: you, guys. Yeah, let's do that. Chad, yeah,
1: that was an awesome conversation with Paul. Absolutely. I think that went really well. I I can't wait to have him back on. He's talking about a movie uh, coming upcoming that has that has mermaids. And he, he pre- a horror movie a, with mermaids. A horror movie about mermaids. <laughs> he said it was a grounded, very very grounded British film about mermaids, and it's a horror. And I, I think Laura's involved in that too, so I am We got to talk about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you what, uh, I would tell anybody out there, uh, go to Paul's website, watch Hungry Joe. Uh, It is absolutely awesome. Uh, I think it's a a short 22-minute watch. Uh,
1: so uh, an easy watch, but it is e- not an easy watch. Well, that, yeah, it's not, it's, it's, yeah. That's a yeah. tough watch, <laughs> that is but it's tough, it's yeah. yeah, it's it's going to be haunting. It's it's gonna it's gonna stick with you. You're gonna be thinking about it for a while.
0: Yeah, and then keep your eye out uh, for for whenever uh, Hollow gets uh, released because that's another one that's uh, I think about thirty minute runtime and yep. uh, it is absolutely amazing as well. Uh, Paul does an amazing job directing these. Uh, you got Laura in there with uh, superb acting. The, the whole cast was great. E- everybody. Yeah, so hats off to uh, to the whole crew. So uh, if you like this podcast, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, ring the bell to get notified. And uh, with that, the credits are rolling. The lights are coming on. And that's the end of the show.